I'm Aaron, that's Will. We are bringing you the passion, tradition and drama of college football to listeners down under. Because we fucking love college football. They hand it off to Johnson, Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Can you believe it? Well, he has trouble with the snap and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson and he scores on the last play of the game. Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I'm joined by Will. I need to get home to my child Murden. How's it going today Will? It's going well my friend. How are you? Uh, really, really good. I'm looking forward to a massive week of college football. So I am super excited about week 13. It's rivalry week. This is the week where kind of things all happen and crazy games, crazy finishes and a lot of lot of good football to watch. I love it, buddy. You're up and about. I am up and about. I feel really... I'm, I'm pumped for this one. I'm psyched for this week. I think we've had a lot of... Stra- it's been a, just a strange year. We talked a little bit about it on uh, Monday's episode. It just has been a bit of a strange year, strange results, a strange feeling... And this week is, not that it's not strange, because it feels like some of these rivalry matchups probably don't have the stakes that they have in years past, but they're still going to be massive contests and certainly games that both of these schools, or in any of these games, these schools take very, very seriously, and so do their fans. Yeah, it's going to be great watching. Which is good. So if there was ever a week to chuck a couple of sickies, this is probably it. There are good games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If you've got to work on any of those days, you have got things all wrong. Uh, Yes, I agree. Just some quick news. Mark Whipple is out at UMass. He has been relieved of his duties. The Minutemen, some of Will's favourites. And the noise around Clay Helton continues to build as James Franklin... Don't know if you saw that little cheeky interview about his thoughts on the USC job and he... Definitely def- didn't definitively shut that down. Interesting. What's the connection there? Uh, I don't actually know. I don't know if there is one as such, but I think you know Penn State aren't completely satisfied. I don't know that uh, you know USC certainly aren't satisfied. Although Lynn Swan, the uh, athletic director at USC, has always uh, or has recently said that he is behind Clay Helton. Uh, if there's a with the rebuild that's happening in the Coliseum, and you know if money starts to get pulled out of that because boosters aren't happy about the results, which they will continue to make more noise after they lose to Notre Dame this week, then Clay Helton's job becomes under threat. So I I don't see the exact connection with James Franklin, but I just know that Clay Helton is in in some strife at the moment. Yeah, okay, I think that'd be a good hire. So that's definitely one to keep an eye on. Okay, the other thing is some Oklahoma State news. You know all about this, of course. The Pokes have signed a home-and-home home with Oregon. This isn't until the year 2025 or something. I but did you see that come up today, yeah. I've got a home-and-home home with them, which is good. Um, a big match-up, and you can see as the college football playoff starts to take over, there is a greater emphasis put on these out-of-conference games with some value. Yeah, I mean, that's so far in the future, though. I haven't... Given it too much. No, you wouldn't, would you? The other thing in terms of Oklahoma State news is your running back, J.D. King, is set to transfer. And you had big raps on this guy coming into the year. 
and even throughout the year, and he's pulling the pin. Yeah, he's the third stringer this year, so he's been stuck behind Justice Hill and Chubba Hubbard. Uh, hasn't got going. Uh, the year before, I think he had a game where he ran for over 200 yards, and this year that's been his sum total, so not quite sure what the go is there. Uh, secretly hoping Justice Hill's deciding he's going to go around for another year, and that's why it's happening, but I don't think that'll be the case, because he is projected to get drafted. So, I don't know. I know Gundy's been a little bit uh, quite with strong feelings about what's been happening in this transfer market, and that appears to be what J.D. King's going down that path of now because he hasn't used his red shirt yet. So he's essentially going to transfer, sit out a year, and then... Go in a red shirt, go in as a red shirt junior to I, whichever I, school. I think he'd be a red shirt sophomore. Still. Uh, he's a sophomore this year. Okay. Uh, unless he has not played in the four games this year to qualify him. Uh no, he probably would have. He would, uh, it's a good one to see. So I'm not quite sure what's going on there, but it's still it's that new landscape that we haven't seen where people are or players are looking at other options outside of their program, which wasn't so much the case beforehand yeah and it wasn't I, it wasn't the intent of this new setup but uh you know that's kind of the way it has fallen and i think you know a lot of these kids these young guys particularly in the skill positions believe or maybe it's fractionally entitled that they deserve to play straight away and if they're playing as a freshman then they believe that they're entitled to play as a sophomore and, and doing these two or three at times hard years to earn your stripes and and then get on as a junior or senior seems to be a bit of a thing of the past. Yeah. All right. We have got a massive, massive show in terms of covering off on the big rivalries in college football. We've got a lot of big games to get to. Uh, We're going to pick a lot of games this week. I've told you that, but we're actually going to pick a lot of these games. uh, and, And then... You know, we've got to get onto some quality gambling advice as well. Not that we give gambling advice, just some some tips that you may want to dabble in. Yeah, I mean, now that it's looking like it's changed hands, it's making some money, I'm excited to get there too. All right, playoff rankings, Will. Uh, what are your thoughts? I believe you've got some strong thoughts. Again, my initial take is UCF jump Ohio State, which is interesting, and LSU still stick out like a sore thumb. Looks like a bit of an insurance policy for the SEC if things go sideways. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know if it is, though, because how can they really go that sideways that LSU come back into contention? The SEC championship game is going to be the game that determines who comes out of the SEC, and it's only if Alabama play Georgia in that and lose that things get really interesting because, you know, potentially if Michigan win out, who do you pick? Who who misses out out of one loss Bama, a one loss Georgia, and a one loss Michigan? Yeah, I I I, I don't know. You're flipping In, a coin. Exactly right. In that scenario, it's got to be Alabama that misses out, right? Because they didn't win their conference championship. They've just lost a game, but you can't tell me they're not the most talented team. So that's where it gets really interesting and those are the sorts of chaos scenarios that I'm really hoping for but (laughs) I just want to kind of have a little bit of a look if the season was to end today and we did have my dream of an eight-team playoff comp man there would be some great matchups yeah so you would have how how would it look so you'd have one and eight okay two and seven three and six four and five obviously with the 
highest rated team getting home okay. field advantage. Okay, and then and then you roll into the bowl game after that. And then that, you yeah, correct. So the semifinals yeah. would become the Orange Fiesta, whatever bowl that they get assigned. Correct. I believe that was would be the best way to do it. So yeah. this week we would have Alabama and Washington State. Yeah, that would be great to see. Yeah, I don't yeah. think that's down to chance, but it'd be yeah. great to see. Yeah, uh, you'd have Clemson LSU. So that would be the chance for LSU to show what they're doing. I mean, that really is where UCF should be. They should get that shot, but based off of how it is uh, right now, that'd be that. You'd have Notre Dame, Oklahoma, which would be an absolute barn burner. And then you'd have Michigan and Georgia. You're just getting answers to all these questions about how good the Big Ten is versus the SEC and you know all of these different scenarios that have to be hypotheticals. We would get... And we would see play out in the field. It'd be awesome. Yeah, I mean, it would be. Gee, it's hard to win a national championship. Like, it's already hard to win a national championship. To play that extra round against a massive team, oh, God, that'd be hard. If But it opens the door up for others. It does. It does. And, I mean, if you get hot at the right time, who's to say you couldn't go in there? Because teams are going to have a bad game somewhere. And you'd see, I think you would see more often a scenario where the best team in the country perhaps doesn't win the national championship because you've now got to back up um, a rivalry game with a conference championship, with a playoff group of eight, with a playoff semi-final. It's hard for it's hard to do that. That's not an easy thing to do. So I think you'd quickly find the rivalry games would be brought further in, uh, uh, earlier yeah. in the year. Yeah, yeah. And they would probably have their cupcake game in there, especially yeah. in the SEC. So there, there would be a bit ch- happening around, but that's how it should be. It should be really hard to win this all. You shouldn't, you know, only have to win two games that are impressive and still manage to then get into the semi-final and then win that and then win the national championship. Yeah. Make it hard. I really want teams to have to ball out and be playing their best football at the right time because that's how sports works. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree. Does it run the risk then of these out-of-conference matches becoming really, really weak? Like we look at kickoff weekend and that kickoff weekend is actually looking quite strong. These, I think that's been actually, uh, has improved in recent years. Whereas is there a chance now if you add that extra game that they wind that back? I, I definitely don't think that's the case because now you're saying you've got five locked away as conference champs, they're in, there's three spots up for grabs. So you're still competing for those three spots as a non-conference champ. So if you've got a really good out-of-conference win on your resume, I think it's going to speak just as much as it would now, if not more, in that situation. Okay, fair enough. Uh, some interesting thoughts there, and we may even take a bit of a deeper dive on that into the off-season. All right, let's jump onto the chalkboard this week. We're moving away from offensive football. We are talking all about rivalries. So this week has got some massive contests in particularly state bragging rights. That's really what it comes down to. And we're going to have a bit of a chat about where these games came from. And I'm going to ask Will to make some picks on these games. All right, the first one I'm going to talk about is Alabama versus Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Now, this is one of the biggest rivalries in college football. Uh, It is named for the role that Birmingham, Alabama, as in the city, played in the steel industry. Hence the name, the Iron Bowl. Uh, It was first played in 1893. And there have been stretches of not playing this game. As big as it is now, there were times where due to field disagreements, officiating problems, disagreements in player sort of semi-payments that were being made, 
Um, you know, they didn't play these games consistently. And it was only in 1989 that Auburn had a chance to actually host the Iron Bowl in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Before that, it was always played within 45 minutes of Tuscaloosa. Uh, there have been a range of crazy moments in that one, often with national championship implications. And the latest was probably that crazy game that we witnessed. I remember watching that with you where Chris Davis returns the kick six. Kick six. And I remember watching that in your lounge room just going, what the hell? Just like We've just witnessed something there. Uh, Alabama leads the series 45-36-1. and one. There's always a tie in these ones. Uh, who are you picking this year, Will, between Alabama and Auburn? I think Alabama will win this one Win this one comfortably. Are they going to cover the 24 points? Uh, would not surprise me. I think that probably feels about right for a rivalry. I think Alabama are the much better football team as they are with anyone they come up against. But I, as much as you, know, you want to see something strange happen in these games, and last year Auburn were able to get the job done, the fact that it's in Tuscaloosa, they're going to have the home crowd. They know what they're about. It means so much for them. It's not a game that they're going to be overlooking. I think they're dialed in and they just show to everyone how good this football team is. Yep, fair enough. All right, we've got Mississippi State versus Old Miss uh, in the Egg Bowl. Now, this game has been a little bit maligned in recent years, but it's certainly massive in the state of Mississippi. The winner gets the Golden Egg Trophy, and this was actually created because uh, fans from the winning Rebels team back in the day stormed the field uh, looking to rip down the goalposts. Uh, Mississippi State fans weren't happy, so they surrounded the goalposts. Of course, a fight breaks out. Chairs are being thrown. Splinters are going everywhere. As a result, the team's like, you know what? We just need a trophy. So let's cut this massive fight thing out. Um, and and they went from there. So always a, a pretty exciting one, and they take that one pretty seriously in Mississippi. So why the egg? Uh, Great question. It just came up as a, a golden egg trophy that they that they created. I, I don't exactly know the reason why they picked the egg, um, but it was the trophy was more designed to stop fighting uh, rather than for a, for a true reason. Reason I think. Okay, interesting. Who's you picking this one? Uh, this one I really like. Ole Miss's chances. Uh, home game in the rivalry I think is a massive factor. Uh, whilst they have been disappointing this year, Ole Miss have put up points. Uh, Mississippi State have been a bit all over the shop. They've got a very good defense, and offensively, you don't know what they're going to produce. I think this one is going to go blow for blow. I think Ole Miss will put up a few points. I think they'll probably get in the 20s somewhere. I think Mississippi State do enough to win this one, but I think it's closer than what the line suggests. Which is at? I think it's at about uh, 11, 11 and a half points. Okay. So I'm expecting Ole, uh, Ole Miss to keep it within a score. Okay. But uh, Mississippi State to win. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think Mississippi State's defense is really, really good. Uh, but Ole Miss does put up points. But gee, they leak some. But again, against an offense that has been a absolute rabbit out of the hat, you don't, you've got no idea what you're going to get from week to week. All right. Washington versus Washington State in the Apple Cup. So this pits a team from the city in Washington versus a team from the country and literally the country uh, in Washington State. 
Uh, and it's called the Apple Cup. Will always likes to know a lot of the details about this, but called the Apple Cup because Washington is a massive supplier of apples uh, in the state. So riveting stuff there, but that is the case. There you go. Um, it was first played 118 years ago, which is not uncommon in some of these rivalries, actually. They all started uh, you know, in the late 1800s, which is crazy, and that's where a lot of these traditions become silly uh that game was a five all tie actually but probably the most interesting game to me i think was the 2008 version uh which was nicknamed or coined the crapple cup because wazoo were one and ten washington was zero and eleven oh they both come a long way from there <laughs> exactly so uh washington leads this series quite comfortably uh what do you rate the huskies chance heading over to pullman and knocking off the number eight team in the country I really like the chances in this one. This is uh, one where they're on the road, but I've probably been disrespecting Washington State a little bit too much all year. I really like them. I really like what they're about. But Washington are a very good football team and would not surprise me in the slightest if they were to go in there and pull out a win in this game. Okay. Don't hate it. Uh, we'll have a bit of a bit more of a chat about this one later on. Uh, okay, Ohio State versus Michigan. This is referred to as simply the game. It's been played 114 times. Michigan leads this one, uh, 58-49-6. Ohio State only won three of the first 24 meetings. I think there was a tie in there as well. So. Effectively, Michigan won the first 20, hence why that lead is so big. But that's not uncommon in a lot of these rivalry games. You'll often find the teams that are the powers now often weren't back in the early 1900s. So, you know, if we look at Alabama, Auburn, we probably think that Alabama's way out in front, but Auburn have had their stretches. You look at Vanderbilt, Tennessee. Vanderbilt won a whole bunch early in that one. So, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, I think Minnesota actually lead that. But we haven't seen Minnesota really be a powerful football team for years and years and years. So uh, a lot of these obviously date way, way back. Uh, So yeah, I mean, Ohio State, Michigan, it doesn't really get any bigger than this. Uh, You've got two of the proudest blue bloods of college football you could possibly imagine. And they take this really, really seriously. There is stories and versions of this that go back to the Woody Hayes days and it goes on forever and ever and ever and they've got stories about every game if you want to read into it. Fantastic rivalry. Who are you taking, Will? I'm really, really looking forward to this one. I think if there was any game during the regular season, looking back now, that I could go to, it's probably this one across the whole site. It's going to be massive. The Two of the proudest fan bases who fucking hate each other oh yeah and they're both competing for a spot to go to the championship game and then potentially onto the playoffs to represent the the big 10 so this is going to be massive i've been looking forward to it for weeks we've both kind of have seen that this is going to be where things end up and the big 10 is going to go through this game and i still really like ohio state's chances in this one Okay, we'll take a deep dive into that one a little bit later. Okay, let's go Utah versus BYU, also known as... The Mormon Cup? No, it is not the Mormon Cup. Okay. It is the Holy War. Ah, close. But you were not wrong necessarily. BYU, of course, is is Brigham Young, uh, and 
that university is owned and run by the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. So if you've ever seen the Book of Mormon, or if you haven't, you should, because that is hilarious. I need to get to that. You do. You would be giggling your ass off well, through that the one. that's the South Park. Place. That is correct, yeah, yeah so yeah. hilarious. Um, but this game, obviously, uh, you've got two very different cultures. You've got Utah, big state college. You've got a heavily religious school, I suppose, in BYU. And, and just that cultural difference. I mean, generally in rivalries, it's either a massive cultural difference or it's the fact that the cultures are so similar, they relate to each other so well that the only difference they can find is the colors they wear and the teams that they support. In this case, it is the fact that this rivalry becomes inflamed year after year due to uh, the difference in these two cultures. So there has been some controversy around the name of it, obviously because of uh, the holy wars that did exist in the Middle Ages, uh, that maybe this should potentially be renamed. But either way, Utah leads this series. Uh, who are you taking with Utah and BYU? Utah will win this one by a wide margin. They will win and they will cover the 12 points. Okay, cool. Not a problem. Let's jump to one of my favorite uh, rivalry stories, I think, and that's Wisconsin versus Minnesota. They currently play for Paul Bunyan's Axe. Now, this is the longest uninterrupted rivalry game in college football. Unfortunately, in our time, we haven't seen it be particularly close. It hasn't been much of a rivalry, but it was first played in 1890, and the original trophy was called the Slab of Bacon. And it was a wooden trophy, and it had an M on it and a W, obviously representing Minnesota and Wisconsin. And depending on who won, they would flip it the various way to to show the winner. And on it had the word bacon, so the winner would be literally bringing home the bacon. Uh, But unfortunately, the trophy was lost in 1943, which was really, really disappointing. And Paul Bunyan's axe replaced it, and that has been the trophy ever since. So you'll see the winner uh, actually run around with Paul Bunyan's axe at the end of the game. Uh, Now, there was was a ceremonial chopping of goalposts after a win, uh, but that led to a fight, actually, and uh, they kind of put put a lid on it, but that's actually come back now because players have managed to rein it in a fraction and and so now there's still that ceremonial cutting down of the posts after a win. Wisconsin lead the series 42-24 to 24 around that axe. Uh, but the slab of bacon actually made a return. And in 1994, an intern found the old trophy at Camp Randall Stadium, which is Wisconsin's home ground. And it was over 50 years that it had been lost for, and we say lost, but the trophy had actually been updated up until the 1970s. So it appears that Wisconsin potentially stole the trophy, pretended like it had disappeared, and had actually been updating it until the 1970s, which is just a sort of a a crazy story, but clearly people knew about it, or some people knew about it. It's now um, in the museum at Wisconsin. That's crazy. Yeah. What was that intern doing? Like, well, he was they looking. Stu- just they stumble upon this secret. Yeah. Or uh, were they up to some shady shit in back rooms somewhere? Uh, and then we're like, oh my god. Uh, yeah. I know this. Yeah. Because and stuff like that, people would pay um, ridiculous amounts of money for that. 
and it is it's such a cool piece of history and and I love that kind of stuff I think that stuff is amazing it's a tiny little wooden plank but it you know means so much to so many people and it's fantastic that after 50 years it was found uh, and and of course games back then were very different 1943 I think it was actually the responsibility of a team trainer slash cheerleader who was responsible for getting the trophy and bringing it back into the change room and she said in the celebrations she lost it but either way it's rocked back up and uh, a fantastic rivalry definitely one we need to go see when we go uh, on our Big Ten tour massively Wisconsin, Minnesota who you got Will? Uh, Wisconsin to win can't disagree with that one. Okay, Oregon versus Oregon State and the Civil War. Now, we've actually been to this game. We have. Which was a bit of a non-event. Unfortunately, again, Oregon State haven't had too much success in this game of recent times. It was fairly tight when we went, I felt. Well, I think Oregon got away fractionally at the end. I mean, we, we had such a good run of really close games, overtime games, crazy finishes. And then I think Oregon won by... 10 points or yeah, something. Yeah, but they were definitely with them for most yeah, of the game. Yeah, they were. But we were which, like, what is... no one surprised yeah. was expecting. Well, but then we were like, what is this shit? A 10-point like, win <laughs> that goes, that finishes in regulation. That's not what we're about. Anyway, these two teams have played for 121 times. First game played in 1894. You can actually look back at a lot of the pictures of these games from those times. A lot of them are undated where the fans were literally standing on planks of wood in the mud. Now, of course, Oregon gets a lot of rain. Those grounds turn to absolute slop pits. Uh, some amazing photographs and people... There wouldn't be many people there. A few thousand at most standing on simple wooden bleachers, uh, watching a whole bunch of guys just bang heads, real old school. Uh, there's also photographic evidence of the first use of the pyramid play, which... Uh, was a type of strategy, I guess. It was only really legal for a very short amount of time and there's actually a photo of it and that's where when a team kicks a field goal, which of course didn't happen very much in the early 1900s, one of the defenders would actually get on the shoulders of two of his other defenders, making him you know, 12 foot high and just swat down a field goal. Attend. Genius. Yeah. So that was legal for all of about one season, but there's photographic evidence of it occurring in an Oregon-Oregon State game, which is an amazing piece of history. Uh, now, they play for the platypus trophy, which, of course, being an Australian animal with the tail of a beaver and the bill of a duck. They join those two things together to create the platypus trophy. That's why those two things exist. Uh, who you got in this one, Will? Uh... Oregon State have been giving up over 540 yards a game on average this year. And Oregon can move the ball. So yeah. I expect a hell of a lot of points from the Ducks and them to win this one quite comfortably. Yeah, I feel like Oregon have been a little bit a little bit sloppy on offense recently. But uh, we'll have a look at that one. Uh Georgia versus Georgia Tech. This one is called Clean Old Fashioned Hate. And these two teams legitimately hate each other. Uh, There is a lot of bad blood in this one. A lot of fighting. There have been bricks thrown, knives pulled. And that's just between the players. Fans can get super crazy, so it gets even worse than that. Uh, now, when we're in, in Georgia, they ring that chapel bell after the win. Remember how you walk past and you can just ring that bell? Yep. 
Now, normally that gets rung kind of non-stop until midnight after a win. When you beat Georgia Tech, you just do it all night. They just ring that bell away. In fact, Georgia Tech's fight songs have got, you know, slanderous comments towards Georgia in them. Uh, so a really, really heated rivalry. What are your thoughts on the Ramblin' Rex chance of overturning the Bulldogs? I think it's unlikely. Uh, Georgia are the much better football team. That triple option uh, gives teams issues, don't get me wrong. But I think Georgia know what they're coming up against. This is not a one-off for them. They're well aware of what Georgia Tech bring to the table. And talent-wise, they're just that much better that they'll get the job done. 17 points in a rivalry. I mean, that's where the line sits at the moment. It's played in Athens. It is. So. Uh, but I think Georgia Tech have been scoring more than you would expect out of them. I think a lot of that's come from short fields and good special teams play. But they've been going okay this year, Georgia Yeah, Tech. definitely. And, I mean, that line feels about right for me. Wouldn't surprise me if they kept it closer than that. It's just Georgia are a very good football team. And if they execute, they will win. All right. Let's blitz through a whole bunch more of these and we'll move this a little bit quicker. All right, let's go. Virginia versus Virginia, Ch- Virginia Tech. They play for the Commonwealth Cup uh, and Virginia Tech lead this series pretty comfortably. Who are you taking in this battle? Uh, I'll take the Hokies in an upset there. Oh, wow. Haven't been playing very well at all, but this is for an opportunity them to keep that bowl streak alive it is i think that means a lot to them and on top of the rivalry game that's going to be enough for them to get the job done i do not after watching virginia tech and miami pretty closely i don't think virginia tech are very good i think defensively they can be run on and virginia tech have schemed up a really good running game this year with bryce perkins and i think virginia tech although it's played in blacksburg uh, I think Virginia get a hold of them. All right, Nebraska at Iowa. Now, this is, again, Big Ten country, so very, very uh, steeped in tradition, I suppose. And a lot of these games started early, and this was another one in the 1890s. It was stopped due to conference realignment. Um, but now it's back, and they play for the Heroes Trophy, and that is a big trophy. I mean, it's not as big as the Stanley Cup, but it's a big trophy. Is there any chance that you know, this game, which way is this going to go? I guess you've got Iowa's defense and kind of sometimes stodgy, methodical offense with Nate Stanley versus a Nebraska team whose defense has leaked a lot of points but has started to move the ball pretty considerably recently except for the 9-6 to win against Michigan State last week. But is there a chance that maybe Iowa can't contain Nebraska or on the other side, can Iowa score enough points to hang around in a shootout? Uh, I think Iowa will win this one. I okay. think it's going to be cold and... A Seems bit like of a, Iowa football. Correct. <laughs> a bit of a dour affair. And I think that plays in Iowa's hands and, and they'll get the win in that one. Okay, fair enough. I'd like to see Scott Frost continue to develop and I think that one will be close as most games in a rivalry are. I'm probably leaning that way, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if it's sort of within one or two points for the Hawkeyes. All right, Purdue, Indiana... Another one that is really, really old, started in 1891. They play for the old oaken bucket. Uh, and apparently the old oaken bucket is traditionally Indianan, whatever, the, I don't know how you'd say that. Uh, but each year they add 
a link to the bucket with the letter of the team that won. So if it's Purdue, of course, they get the P. In Indiana, they get the I. So there's this big, long chain link, which allows you to see the the kind of scores. Uh, In 1903 was the only time the game was cancelled out of kind of non-war years. And that's because a train wreck killed most of the Purdue, Purdue football team, which is bit nasty how come i haven't seen a movie about that yeah i don't know because they did the we are marshall so they can't do another one it's a sequel it's a sequel <laughs> i don't think that's how sequels work dude. It certainly is uh but it's going back in time uh prequel what, the, <laughs> this is gross uh <laughs> uh the boilermakers or the hoosiers who have you got I'll pick Indiana just purely out of spite for your love of Purdue, not because I think they'll win. I feel like Purdue has become the team of college football down under, and we need to pick an, uh, we need uh, to pick one next year. That's going to be our thing. I think on your end, maybe. Yeah, they. Ha- I mean, they have been. I've really liked watching them. I've liked watching Jeff Brom and David Blau do their things on the offensive side of the ball. Now, I think Purdue are four-point favourites. Uh, correct. Did I Indiana fire their shot last week against Michigan? They lost by 11 points. Yeah, but they were in it a long yeah. way and led for a large portion of that game. They've been in most games this year. Yeah, they have. They've yeah. been... Uh, and any game of relevance they're in? Correct. And this one for them, you know, they'll they'll want to win this. I think, what, bowl eligibility is on the line for both teams? For both teams, Both at yeah. five and six. So, big stakes uh, could go either way. I wouldn't mind watching that one, actually. I think that one could be an interesting one. I don't know what time it falls. Early slate. Oh, is it? So you're probably getting the Michigan-Ohio State ahead of that one. Yes. All right, Illinois at Northwestern. Again, another Big Ten game. So 1892 was the first time this one kicked off. This is really, really good because of the tightness. Ooh, careful. The tightness or the closeness um, of the results. So Illinois actually leads this one, 55, 51, and 5. Of course, Illinois used to be a superpower back in like the 50s, 40s, and 50s. Um, so they lead this one, which is which is really, really good. They used to play for the Sweet Sue Tomahawk. Uh, and a lot of those, I guess, kind of First Nations or Indigenous people trophies are tending to find their way out of... Uh, c- circulation, I suppose, due to political correctness. And Can just... you not say Indian? Is that not okay? Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. All right, well, let's just know. steer well clear of it. Then, yeah, eh? I know. Like, I mean, we say Aboriginal here, which is, I guess, some sort of equivalent. Anyway, uh, they they've now changed that to the Land of Lincoln Trophy uh, because I believe Illinois was intending to be called Lin- the state of Illinois was going to be called Link, something to do with um, Abraham Lincoln. Anyway, that is what they play for, and the trophy is cast in the top hat that, of course, Lincoln is famous for. Is there any chance that the Fighting Illini can resurrect their beatdown from last week and beat the Wildcats? No, they're giving up boatloads of points at the moment. They've dropped four of their last five. On the flip side, Northwestern have won four of their last five, so I'll take the Wildcats in that one. Is there a chance... Well, I don't know where the line's. It's about 23 17. points. Oh, 17 points. Not a bad one, maybe. Again, not gambling advice, but maybe Northwestern to cover that line... Would not be a bad little shout, um, depending on if they are, uh, yeah, don't know, 
Hopefully, have, haven't been just... blowing out teams this year. No, Western, so no, they haven't. But of Illinois... their last five, haven't won any by more than seventeen. Okay, uh, we'll maybe not then, and maybe avoid that one. I'll take Northwestern to cover. Anyway, NC State versus North Carolina and Wake Forest versus Duke. Both of those games are part of the Tobacco Road rivalry. Now, whilst not a massive big deal in football, it's certainly more a basketball rivalry. And uh, I believe Wake Forest has actually changed locations a fraction. But I believe these four colleges are within a really, really close radius of each other. And that naturally creates a lot of rivalry. So um, those four game or those two games you got nc state versus north carolina that one's at chapel hill who have you got in that one uh i would be a lot more interested if this was basketball but <laughs> i will take nc state because north carolina are having a rough year yes okay and wake forest versus duke uh i'll go duke in this one there are quarterbacks really come on and daniel jones yeah, yeah making some like draft noise definitely as well. yeah, yeah. He's, he's been the big bolter of late that's starting to get a bit of airtime. i mean he's a big dude he's got a strong arm he's sort of a bit prototypical i guess in that sense all right we've got arizona versus arizona state the duel in the desert goes all the way back to 1899 and they play for the territorial cup who have you got with, I believe that this one is played in Tucson, uh, Arizona State visiting. Correct. Will the Wildcats get home? This one is a real coin flip for me. So two-point line, uh, Arizona State favorites, Arizona battling for bowl eligibility. They've been a lot better the back half of the year. They, they struggled out the gate. Uh, I'll still go with Arizona State in this. Uh, I think they're a very good football team and they've been in every game they've played this year. They they dropped one on the road at Ortson with two points last week, which is a tough result for them. But they're a very good football team, a complete football team. They're, they're quite good all over the field. Not excellent in any one particular area, but Ooh. but quite yeah. polished all over the, the field. And I'll back them that to get the job done for them. Yep, and I think that... I, I, I agree. I think the offense is too good around Nikhil Harry. I said this, possibly the best triplet in college football. Nikhil Harry, Eno Benjamin, and Manny Wilkins will score enough points. If we had Khalil Tate from last year, I'd probably give the Wildcats a bit more of a chance, but they just can't seem to quite get that offense going uh, with the, the change of staff there. All right, Tennessee versus Vandy. This game's been played 112 times. Tennessee lead massive in this. They had a 22-game winning streak at one point in the rivalry, which wasn't broken until which famous ex-Chicago Bear quarterback managed to get the win for Vanderbilt? Jay Cutler. He was, yeah, which has a... I mean, you. I know you like his TV show or whatever. I just like everything about him. <laughs> Give me more Jay. He's a man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Tennessee hold this one heavily. Can, can Vandy win? This is in Nashville. Of course, again, a battle of the state of Tennessee. Can Vandy beat the Volunteers who got touched up last week? Uh, after a pretty good performance the week before yeah, that. I mean, they, they definitely can. They're three and a half point favourites going into it uh, at home. 
they are both five and six on the year. So again, that bowl eligibility comes into it. I keep saying this, but it, it is massive for these players because they get to go on an essentially a road trip and get all these gifts and have a great time. It's yeah, Vandy might end up in like the Music City Bowl and just stay home. I'd love to go Memphis? back to Nashville. That might be Memphis, I don't know. Yeah, well, you would like to go back to Memphis. So, go back to Nashville, sorry. Yeah, yeah I, I, they definitely can win, but I I think Tennessee take this one in an upset. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I think Garantano plays well at quarterback some weeks and then he gets found completely missing in other weeks. Tennessee's defense rocks up at times and then goes missing at other times. I don't know. I don't trust Tennessee at all. I think Kyle Shermer maybe as a as a senior quarterback there, is going to get the doors across the line. Okay. All right, South Carolina and Clemson. Now, this one, if you want to read about a crazy political confrontation, uh, this one is nuts. Of course, South Carolina, uh, I guess, pretty heavily involved around the Civil War and the post-Civil War rebuild. A lot of the confrontation and and things that happened around that time was in South Carolina. Uh, and and a lot of that f- filtered across and, and came through into their college system. And there was this whole like arms race in ca- uh, Carolina, in South Carolina about, you know, who can grow the quickest. And they were having like satellite universities pop up. And it was this big arms race. It got really, really crazy. Now these two teams really don't like each other. Clemson used to be the agricultural arm, as a lot of these colleges were. I know Oklahoma State was the agricultural mechanical arm of uh, Oklahoma. Of Oklahoma. Thank you. Oklahoma A and M. Yeah, and and that's not uncommon. Oregon State was the same. Uh, so Clemson was that, and they've now rolled back, but. They play for the Palmetto, uh, the Palmetto Trophy, the Palmetto State. Uh, where do you see the Gamecocks' chances? Uh, not anywhere, really. <laughs> they don't I mean, have any. Correct. They're, they're not a bad side, but they're not in the same weight class as Clemson. Okay, Kentucky and Louisville play uh, off in the state of Kentucky, the Bluegrass State, I believe. Sounds about right, yeah. yeah sounds about right. Uh, they play for the Governor's Cup. This series is tied at 15. So only 30 times they've played, uh, but this rivalry continues to grow and develop. Can Louisville stop a team from scoring 40 points on them? I uh, can't see why they would start now. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't been something they've worried about all year, so... I mean, wow. They've, they've had a rough year. This is another one that I'd probably be more dialed into if it was on the hardwood. Yep. <laughs> uh, Kentucky have had a couple of uh, disappointing weeks. They got back on, on the straight and narrow last week, beating Middle Tennessee, and I think they continue that with a comfortable victory this week. Yeah, I think it's comfortable, but Kentucky aren't exactly a high-powered offense. They run the ball well with Benny Snell. And they'll do that this week. Yeah. He'll run for over 200 yards. <laughs> could could get ugly. Gee, Louisville, wow. Is that is that a sinking ship that Jeff Brom really wants to jump on? I don't know. Uh, 
Uh, and can't, you, can't get worse. It's all up from there. Well, yeah, but I, I know they say like Purdue doesn't have a clear run in the Big Ten because they're going to get stifled by Wisconsin, Nebraska, Michigan, Ohio State. But you're going up against Clemson every year. It's going to be gross. Anyway, Florida, Florida State play in the Sunshine Showdown. Now, Florida have stopped uh, scheduling games against Miami because they're pussies. And they play for the Macala Trophy, I think it's called. And that's got like a Seminole and a Gator on it. And they kind of look like they're about to get on. Either way, the Seminole could stab the Gator or the Gator could just straight munch um, that person. But it's a pretty cool trophy. It's pretty big. Uh, What are your chances that Florida State can win this one? It is in Tuscaloosa. Sorry, not Tuscaloosa, in Tallahassee. Uh, Is there a chance that they can beat the Gators? Uh, I do not believe so. They've been pretty bad this year, Florida State. Uh, although it is a rivalry, Florida are a decent football team. They're ranked 11 at the moment, and I see them winning this one fairly comfortably because it's going to mean a fair bit to them. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, Felipe Franks is... I've been down on him as a quarterback for the Gators, and I think that... Florida State defensive line led by Brian Burns, who is a, an NFL player, and Demarcus Christmas. They're still a good defensive line. Let's not take anything away from that. And they could cause him a few problems. So I just think that Florida defense is too good against an offense that has just not got going all yeah, year. Yeah, and a big win for them in this game propels them into quite a good bowl game. They'll be looking at a top 10 spot probably on the back of that. And that gets you a decent bowl game. Yeah, for sure. Last rivalry we will talk about is one of the biggest and oldest and I guess most traditional, and that is USC and Notre Dame. They play for the Jeweled Shillelagh. Shillelagh? It's spelt in that very kind of Celtic Irish way. There's G's and H's and stuff in there, but uh, a... Uh, an Irish kind of club thing and, and they play for that trophy. Notre Dame, of course, visiting LA. Do they have a chance or is this just a, a done deal? I think they have a chance. I Do think, you? I think everyone's writing this one off completely. I am. Notre Dame's already in. That seems to be the consensus. But I think I, I like a team that has talent uh, when their back's against the wall and no one has their back against a harder wall at the moment than Clay Helton and his squad. So I would not be surprised for them to come out and definitely make a match of this. Yes, Notre Dame are the better football team. Yes, they've got one of the best defenses in all of the land. But beware the wounded Trojan in this uh, instance. Good one. Good one. Not the wounded Tiger. And watch them, yeah, make this a ball game. I could see it maybe being a ball game to half time. I think Notre Dame are just too good in all facets to keep this one too close. Uh, Having said that, you look at a lot of these rivalries this year and it doesn't look like many of them are going to be close on paper, but some of them will. Somewhere there'll be a close, there'll be some close finishes. So uh, we can hope that that is one of them. I Still thought Notre Dame were probably going to lose one somewhere, and this is their last opportunity. That may not be the case. All right, it's time to deep dive into this week's heavy, heavy hitting games. Let us start on Saturday. 
Is it? Is that yeah. where we're going to start? Yeah, there's two great games on Saturday this week. There is. Now, there's a lot of games on Saturday. So, if you feel like you want to, uh, you know, maybe spend a bit of time on Saturday, we've got some spare time on Saturday, certainly some fantastic games. But we've got number six, Oklahoma, visiting Morgantown to take on number 13, West Virginia, who dropped five places in the rankings after their loss to Oklahoma State last week. Can the Mountaineers bounce back? Uh, or do Oklahoma continue on their winning ways? Uh, and the winner of this, of course, goes to the Big 12 championship game. Uh, and the loser, well, particularly if it's Oklahoma, they do not have a lot left to play for. Yeah, no, you're spot on. So this is going to be a massive game. And the fact that it's in Morgantown makes it really interesting because West Virginia are very tough to beat there, especially in such a hyped matchup. I really like their chances in this one and fully expect West Virginia to get the job done. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously I wasn't impressed by Oklahoma's 40 points conceded to Kansas last week. I mean, you you just can't afford that. But again, maybe they were looking ahead. The two-point line suggests that they are giving it to Oklahoma only because... They've had that one extra win. I think Kyler Murray is a more dynamic quarterback. He's got that real X factor at quarterback that perhaps Will Greer doesn't have. And if and if Will Greer is having a bad game, they can go really off the boil. If he's good, he's fantastic. Kyler Murray tends to, if he goes quiet, yeah, he might throw a few picks, but he lets his legs bring him back into the game and always seems to be an influence. There's still a lot of question marks around this Oklahoma defense, particularly on the back end. Uh, it's going to be a shootout, I think. There's no question about that. The two-point line, I'm staying away from betting on this at all. I would tend to pick West Virginia. I think it comes down to which defense can make that turnover and get that momentum back for the offense. Uh, yeah, I... I'm, I'm a bit of a loss for this one. It's going to be a shootout. I couldn't tell you who's going to win. I, No one has got within two scores against West Virginia at home this year. And as I said before, it's an incredible tough, incredibly tough place to play. And I am so confident that West Virginia will win this one that it scares me now I think Oklahoma are going to win. <laughs> yeah. So with you, I'm not going to bet on it because I have such strong feelings about West Virginia winning this game. Yeah, and I tend to agree with you, uh, but I don't want you to sway me because that's bad news for all the punters out there. Correct. Uh, Oklahoma's defense needs to rock up, and in a bad, bad way for them if they are to have any chance of making it through to the college football playoff. Alrighty, let's head across to the Apple Cup. Washington at Washington State. Now, you have got another example of, and we're hitting a lot of these this week, strength versus strength. You've got Washington State's high-powered offense against one of the best defenses, uh, certainly on the West Coast, but 100% in the country as well. Gardner Minshew coming off the back of his seven-touchdown game. He's going to go over 4,500 passing yards this year. 
every time I think Washington State are going to slip up against perhaps a bit of a trap game and or an inferior opponent, they've showed their class this year, something that Washington State haven't done in the past. They've always managed to drop that one. And I think they managed maybe to hold off uh, a Washington Huskies team whose offense has been really, really, really uh, inconsistent. I think Jake Browning has had good games, but 16 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. That's not a great ratio. Uh, When you look on the other side, 36 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. But again, the most prolific passing offense in all football. Uh, Miles Gaskin would have to get going on the ground for them to have any chance to control the line of scrimmage and not let Washington State get away. Okay, yeah. I mean, this is two of my favorite coaches in all of college football, Chris Peterson and Mike Leach. And Chris Peterson has absolutely owned this in his time at Washington. So he's gone 4-0 and whilst there. Uh, and the average winning margin in his time there is 23.8 points, which is heavy. I that mean, is. He's winning by more than three touchdowns. And yes, don't get me wrong, this is a different Washington State team that we've seen the previous years. We have had some very good Washington teams and Washington State have been around the mark, but not nearly as good as they are this year. But still, that's a massive red flag for me and just says that, you know, Washington play the right way to really give Washington State issues. So they're really strong on the outside. They have great cornerbacks. They're really difficult to pass against. Whilst they have an elite quarterback who's putting up more numbers than anyone else in Gardner Minshew, I think this is going to be probably the toughest test he's faced. And... I expect Washington to get the better of them. In Pullman, does that make a massive difference? It it does make a difference. Yeah, definitely. I mean, rivalry game at home is huge. I just think that they're not really in the the playoff conversation. It's it's really not going to happen for them. They fired their shot a little bit earlier when they had game day. I just, yeah, I don't know what it is. All of that comes together for me to say that Washington will win this game. Yeah, I feel like Washington continue to lose their big matchups. They lost to Oregon in a game that they probably shouldn't have lost. They had a field goal to win that one. Yeah, they lost to Cal. They lost to Auburn earlier in the year. To me, Washington just haven't had that finishing clutch play that I think you're going to get from Gardner Minshew and you're not going to get it from Jake Browning. I know which quarterback that I've got 100% confidence in when the game is on the line and it's not the guy wearing purple. He's shown time and time again that he cannot finish and can't put his team in a winning position. As much as I like Jake Browning and the way he goes about it, he's a, he's a fierce competitor. He just doesn't quite have that killer instinct and that natural playmaking ability uh, that... Uh, Mike Leach does. I mean, he gives zero fucks about going for it on fourth down, about going for extra points for two-point conversions. He will take some risks. And that's the sort of stuff that, yeah, it can lose your rivalry game, but at home, it's more likely to win you one unless you roll the quarterback out in a two-point conversion, which is balls. All right. And to the biggest game of the week, Michigan at Ohio State. Wolverines head into the shoe to 
play the their biggest game of the year and an opportunity to cement their position in the Big Ten Championship game. Of course, the winner of this will go and face Northwestern in a couple of weeks' time. And Michigan have got a real chance to make that semi-final. What are your thoughts on... I mean, you, you are bigging up the Buckeyes here and their chances to win this. Uh, the line is bigger than I thought it would be, but... I have got, I did have confidence in Michigan. I don't know. I'm wavering a fraction, but I'll, s- over? I'll, I'll see what you think before I dive too deep. Okay. I've got, I've got a few fun little stats in Urban Meyer's time at Ohio oh, State. I'm going to hear this. He's, he's never, I think I remember one, like he's never lost as an underdog or something. Yeah, that is correct. So there, there have only been uh, six times that he has played. He has been at the head of this program and they've been underdogs and they have won every one of those occasions. La-di-da. The last He didn't time, have headaches back then though, did he? Well, the last time that they were underdogs was the 2014-15 National Championship game where they whooped on Oregon. Yeah, right. That's going back a ways for the last time you're not favourite going into a match. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know how much you take out of that stat because it's so long ago and not really relevant. None of these boys would have been playing then. Yeah. At the same time, it just speaks to the strength of this program. I mean, he knows how to prepare a team. Correct. And he does know how to get them ready and they're going to be ready. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And they're going to have a great mindset going into this they're not looking ahead to anything. They've been building for this for a while, and that's probably what hasn't helped them in the last few games that they've had where they haven't looked so sharp and people you know, keep saying, oh, they're playing down to their opponent's level. I think everything has been building to this for them and that they're in a great spot to get the job done at home. Okay, I... Again, it's another game of strength versus strength. You've got Ohio State's offense, which is their strength. And the fact that their offense is still really good. Dwayne Haskins is good. That running game is still inconsistent and a little bit unpredictable with J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber. Uh, but gee, K.J. Hill, Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, uh, B- Benjamin v- Victor, they've got a whole bunch of receivers that are fantastic playmakers. So they're still really good on that side. However, Michigan's defensive line and and Chase Winovich appears like he's actually going to miss the game for the Wolverines. Yeah, it's, uh, it's up in the air at the moment. It is. Uh, but that puts a massive dent in that pass rush. And, and Dwayne Haskins uh, has been a little bit susceptible to pressure and recently has been a little bit ac- inaccurate on that pass. Uh, so I think... Uh, I just don't have a lot of confidence in Ohio State's ability to stop Michigan. And this is going to be the other side of the ball. I think on that side of the ball with the Ohio State offense and the Michigan defense, they're going to be trading blows. There's going to be turnovers, but there's going to be points. It's going to be on the other side with Shea Patterson and Karan Higdon. And if they can get that run game going and do what Anthony McFarlane did to Ohio State last week, Michigan are going to control this game. Uh, they're going to prevent Shea Patterson from getting into those third and mediums, third and longs, which is where he kind of struggles a fraction and has throughout the year. And that's where they've looked a little bit disjointed early in the season where they couldn't get that run game going. But they're going to get it going today uh, on the weekend. And they're going to just 
I think, dominate that line of scrimmage against an Ohio State front four, which while loaded with talent, has been a little bit disappointing recently. So I believe that Michigan is going to get enough big plays because that's where Ohio State's defense is susceptible to that big pass play downfield, to that run that just goes 90 yards. And I think they give up too many of them. Michigan's too clean across the board in defense and with their special teams. Uh, And I think they win this game. I know you say this sets up perfectly for Ohio State, but it's not like Michigan haven't been preparing for this either. Yeah, for sure. All right, other games that are worth perhaps a quick look. Auburn getting 24 points against the Tide in Tuscaloosa. I know you're picking Alabama in that one. Pretty comfortable with that still. All right, that brings us to the end of the big game reviews, and we've touched on a lot of games this week, so let's move on. Your quick schedule, Will. What games do we need to hit uh, in order to make sure we get the best viewing opportunities this week? Yeah, we'll fly through Aaron's weekly schedule. Yeah. Uh, So I guess to begin with things, let's cancel your Saturday plans. You're watching football now. Yeah. (laughs) As we mentioned earlier, some really good games on Saturday. So you've got Oregon, Oregon State starting at 7.30 on Saturday morning. Same time, you've got UCF and USF, which if you haven't watched UCF play this year, would be a really good opportunity to see them come up against a decent opposition. Uh, after that, we've got an absolute awesome doubleheader of Oklahoma and West Virginia and Washington, Washington State. So that's 11.30 and 12 o'clock. Great. Midday viewing uh, on the couch on a Saturday, definitely worth the watch. Then going into Sunday morning, you've got an early slate that's definitely worth getting out of bed for. Uh, It's all revolves around your Michigan-Ohio State game, one of the biggest games of the year. At the same time, on your other screens, you've got Georgia-Georgia Tech and Florida-FSU as massive rivalries. Uh, 7 a.m., I think, the Iron Bowl owns that slot, definitely worth a watch, always good viewing. At the same time, there's the Arizona State-Arizona game, so I would be keeping an eye on that too. And then in the afternoon, there is a sneaky game that we haven't really touched on, but LSU-Texas A&M, two ranked teams, played at Kyle Field. Uh, A&M are two and a half point favourites in that, but not sure which one, that one, which way that one will go. Be really good matchup. And then the Notre Dame-USC game as well. So that will be my viewing and what I recommend all of you out there to definitely lock away. But there's a whole handful of others that you could keep an eye on and then dial into if things get close. All right, let's go into quickly touch on the championship draft. I've got Clemson at two, Michigan at four, Georgia at five, Oklahoma at six, waiting for someone to slip up. I'm not moving anywhere. Okay, I've got Alabama, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. I'll keep all of those. I also have West Virginia. They lost. I've been flip-flopping them with Just LSU. Just keep an open slot there? Or? Well, I'll bring in Wazoo. Okay. Washington State, welcome to the mix. It's between them and uh, Central Florida. Okay. Uh, I'll go with the Pac-12, the Champion. leaders in the Pac-12, yep. and, and hoping they'll come out as champs. Alrighty, it is bold prediction time. We'll kick us off with something that you're going to get wrong this week. Yep, so here we go. I may get all of these wrong, but mine this week is that the early underdogs will have their day. Okay. 
So I've picked a couple of the uh, the early games. So to lead things off on the Friday here in Australia, we've got Mississippi Old Miss. So we'll throw in Mississippi or Old Miss, should I say, Miss, to cover the eleven and a half. Okay. Right? So I don't think that they'll win, but they'll cover that eleven and a half. Yeah. The next two will win though. We have Washington to beat Washington State. I mentioned that earlier. I like their chances, and we'll roll that into Ohio State as underdog as well to win. So we've got Ohio State winning, Washington winning, and Ole Miss covering, which will pay about twelve fifty on the tote, which is a decent okay. chunk of change, and. Those underdogs are going to have their day. Okay, my bold prediction. I'm going to go with the Apple Cup and an Aaron's favourite blowout. I am going to say that the Washington State Cougars are going to win by 21 points or more against Washington. And Purdue, being Aaron's favourite, are going to beat Indiana by 21 points or more. Wow, okay, I like that. So we're going large with a couple of those. That's three touchdown wins on both of those games, which is, I think, pretty bold. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) All right, it is time very quickly. We are hustling through the back end here. It is time to go on the punt with Will. I am here to bring you winners. No, it's not. We're back with me again because I can pick... Winners. All right, here we go. I've got five for you and a bonus bet this week. Although I'm unsure on the bonus bet, I'm going to look at Will's help here and then whatever he suggests, I'm going to do the opposite. Firstly, I've got three units on NC State. They are getting, they've got, they're at minus seven. I'm saying they will cover those seven points against North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Three units on that one. Two. Two units on Florida at minus seven to cover Florida State at Tallahassee. Now, Florida State's offense is broken. Their defense is pretty good, but I think Florida won't let them score and they'll score enough to cover the seven points there. I think Memphis, two units on them at minus seven against Houston. They're without Derek King and their starting running back. So two units on Memphis. Is that in Houston as well? Uh, I believe that one is in Memphis. Okay. No, so. I just assumed you were picking teams who are a touchdown underdog <laughs> on the road. Uh, no, I'm not doing that. Or touchdown favourite, sorry, on the road. Dangerous uh, game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm taking... I'm going to go another road favourite. But I'm saying Texas to cover Kansas at minus 14 and a half. I think they do that by what? more. How many units here? Two. Uh Kansas, yeah, they scored 40 points against Oklahoma last week, but they still went down by 15. I think Texas's defense has played better last week and they'll continue in that vein and they will cover up Kansas comfortably. I'm then going to take a flyer here because this is what I do. I'm going to multi one unit with Ohio State, West Virginia and Washington to win. Okay. Which... All, uh, well, you've got Ohio State, home dog, West Virginia, home dog, Washington are on the road, but they're also underdogs. So if you take all those to win. That's close to my bold prediction. Yes. All right. The last bonus bet I've got for you is Oregon at minus 16 and a half. 
I'm saying take them at the line and then we need to get to 70 and a half points total between them and Oregon State in the Civil War. Now, Will, are you going to take the over or the under that 70 and a half points? Uh, I would take the over in that one. Okay, I'm taking the under then. <laughs> so I'm going to say Oregon will cover but take the under 70 and a half points. I like it. All right. There we go. That is my five tips. So quickly, three units, NC State to cover UNC, two units on Florida to cover at Florida State, two units on Memphis to cover uh, against Houston, and two units with Texas at minus 14 and a half. Then multi up Ohio State, West Virginia, and Washington all to win. That should be a pretty good day, I would think, all up if we hit on some of them. Yeah, definitely. Now, I've got to be really honest. I was super nervous about this week on the punt. A lot of rivalry games. Uh, I'm feeling iffy, but hopefully I can back up a good week. Yeah, if I'm going to be honest, I don't like them, so that's got to be a good sign. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What, you you were pretty keen on Kansas. I did Uh, like Kansas uh, in that spot there at home against Texas. Um, you probably like the one unit on those three to win. Yeah, that's the one that I do like, 100%. <laughs> that's so that's, that's definitely not happening now. But no, that, that's going to be good, man. All right. So hopefully we can get us closer to breaking even. All right. That is a massive, massive, massive preview show of week 13. Uh, I'm looking forward to a massive weekend. Unfortunately, I don't get to spend any of it with you, I don't think, at this stage, Will. Uh, but we will definitely be in touch. As always, get on board uh, at College Football Down Under on Instagram and on Twitter as well. Give us a follow. Give us those five-star reviews. Tell all your friends about us. Enjoy a massive week of rivalry football. My name's Aaron. That is Will, and we will see you next time.